find one or two really, really good co-founders. I think a lot of uh, early stage companies think more is better. Get two or three people that take this 100% seriously and run with it. Welcome back to the Innovations at Research Park podcast. Tune into our show to hear insightful conversations on what innovations Research Park students, companies, and alumni are creating. My name is Todd Meshaw, and I'm your host for this podcast, and I'm here with Brandon Yates, who is the CEO of DeepWalk, a tech startup born and raised in Champaign. Brandon and his team are on a mission to create AI-powered solutions for the city planners and engineers that build important public infrastructure that we rely on every single day. Brandon, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm very curious to hear your story. Uh, and we, we were chatting a bit before we started recording about uh, how you've kind of gone through the uh, you know UIUC entrepreneurship ecosystem and the various programs that they offer. Um, so can you just talk to me you know, about your, your background and, and how you came up with this idea for the company and really what was the journey like of going from student to CEO? Yeah, I guess I could start at the beginning would be, I guess in 2017 would be the very beginning. Uh, when I applied to the University of Illinois uh, through the civil engineering department, there was a class called, uh, I don't remember what it was. It was like the project-based version of the intro to civil engineering. And it was read, led by uh, Professor Jeffrey Reisler. And pretty much we did a project on something civil engineering. We fell on like sidewalks. And that's where we learned about the sidewalk requirements, Americans with Disabilities Act, some of the civil engineering stuff that goes into that. And then after the class, I wanted to do something researchy. So I was like, maybe we can automate sidewalk stuff. Uh, so, uh, I got started on that and then me and uh, one of the original founders of DeepWalk, Vishal, uh, we, you know, built some software that like uses machine learning to cut sidewalks apart, pictures of sidewalks apart and then do measurements on them. So we did that for about eight months through the summer after our freshman year. And then we did uh, the National Science Foundation i program after that. And that's where we really learned uh, how to do the business stuff, or at least the basics. Uh, so that program was run out of enterprise works at the time. And I think it still is. And they teach you how to find problems that are, you know, good business problems. So we interviewed over 100 city engineers and we asked them, Hey, how's like, how's sidewalk stuff going? And, uh, the answer was like, not well, generally. <laughs> so they, we just wrote down all their complaints of like, oh, the measurements take too long or, oh, we, you know, this, these measurements that we take aren't really useful for planning and construction and different things like that. So we wrote all those down and that became the basis of our product. Uh, you know, we found a good problem. City engineers, universities, departments of transportation struggle with certain aspects of sidewalks. And if we built like a really clean solution to that, we'd have a good business case. So that is the the very beginning. And I'd, I'd be happy to talk more about like, we did essentially every program that the University of Illinois offers. Uh, so we, we just had a great experience going through all those programs. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you know, just to give some highlights, you mentioned NSF, I-Core, um, iVenture as well, uh, COZAG, New Venture Competition, the Polsky College, New Venture Co- New Venture Challenge. So basically, you know, all the major university-sponsored programs uh, that you were able to maximize, and it's gotten you to where you are now. Help me understand how exactly the DeepRock product works and who it's intended for. Yeah, so right now we have a scanning app that uses the LiDAR sensors on the new iPhones. So uh, the way this is used is we mail those phones to city engineers, city engineering firms, uh, universities, departments of transportation, and they have summer interns essentially go and scan the sidewalks with their phones, the new iPhones, and that makes a 3D model. And then we have some machine learning software that takes that 3D model, breaks it into pieces, and then takes all the measurements that cities need to do their planning, to do basic construction and different things like that. And right now, sort of our bread and butter is Americans with Disabilities Act compliance. So it's really just finding accessibility issues in sidewalks and then giving cities everything they need to fix those problems. One of the aspects you mentioned is uh, automating this this cumbersome data collection process, right? Uh, so what exactly is the data that you're collecting and how is it helping these city planners to then make the uh, you know improvements needed for these facilities? Yeah, so when you look at a sidewalk, there's a couple different accessibility data points that you need to see if someone in a wheelchair or someone with a visual disability could go through it easily. There's the width of the sidewalk. There's the slope called the running slope, which is just how steep it is when you're going you know, forward on it. There's the cross slope. So if you're in a wheelchair, if the cross slope is too high, it, it's just the slope that pushes you to the side. So if you're you know, going along the street, that pushes you towards the street. And it's you know, it just exhausting to go and push one side way harder than the other. And then there's uh, the detectable warning surfaces. So those are the red bumpy things that you see at the end of the sidewalk before it goes into the roads. Uh, so that's for people with visual disabilities and just, you know, high school students glued to their phones to make sure they don't walk into the street. And then there's, um, there's landing. So you have to have a place to turn your wheelchair at the top and the bottom of the ramp. And those are some of the basic ones. And then we also get the condition. So that's just you know, is it cracked? Is it covered in grass? And then we also get the areas and widths and sort of geometry that city actual, you know, the engineers need to make cost estimates and draw new ramps and different things like that. So that's what we're looking for in these scans. Okay. So just to recap, uh, to make sure I get it exactly right, um, you uh, have created a software that is using ML and, and computer vision to basically take these different measurements, as you mentioned, and you're selling this this package, this capability of doing that to the various you know city inspectors or to universities who need to have these compliance uh, requirements met uh, to meet ADA compliance. And by capturing this data, you're allowing them to then see what um, improvements or what modifications need to be made. Is that correct? Definitely. And there's required plans that cities and universities need to have called a transition plan. So this is just a 10 to 20 year plan to find all the accessibility issues that we do and then just make a plan to eventually meet 100% accessibility or as accessible as they can because it's not 
you know, financially possible to go and fix everything at once. So the requirement is make a plan. And then if there's a complaint about a specific feature, prioritize that. You mentioned about the original co-founder you had and, and uh, you know, the team you work with. So how big is uh, DeepWalk now? And how did you find that, you know, core team that you assembled uh, in the beginning? There's a program called or a competition called 54 through the Founders um, RSO Club at the University of Illinois. And we met two or three people through that and they worked on it for a couple months. Some fell off, some stayed on. And then we went through iVenture program, same thing. Uh, the CTO of our company I met going into iVenture uh, in 2018, so our sophomore year. Um, and just going through the programs and different things, you just meet people that are interested. And uh, it's really common when you're in school to where people will start working on it and they'll you know, work on it for some period of time and then they'll either you know, fall off or stay on. And we had a lot of people sort of filter through. Um, and then by the time we actually graduated, there's two of us, me and my co-founder, Anshul Shah, that were like, okay, we're gonna, give up our, you know, theoretical six figure jobs and go work for minimum wage and try and make this thing happen. <laughs> so uh, the insight here is there's a, there's going to be a lot of people that touch your, your company as it, you know, comes out of a university. Uh, and all those people are super helpful and core parts of, you know, what, what's, what it becomes, but what it really takes is, you know, one to three people that are just going to take the jump afterwards and be like, all right, we're going to actually put some, some, some risk on the table and uh, go try to make this work. Yeah. And it is, it is a risk, right? You mentioned, I mean, most graduates from uh, the, the university of Illinois are, uh, you know, as soon as they graduate, they are looking at these high paying jobs that for you, you kind of walked away from. So, you know, what is it that excited you about taking that leap and putting all that financial security to the side for the time being and saying, Hey, no, I, I, re I really want to do this. I think that's one of the benefits of sort of going to U of I, which is a good engineering school and has like a well-known like entrepreneurship program to where it didn't feel like as much of a risk to me career wise, because it's like, okay, if we go and we put everything we have into this for some period of time, like as long as we can, like if it goes under tomorrow, we'll have something great to talk about in an interview, you know? So it's like, I've always kind of had that in the back of my mind. Uh, whenever we do take these risks, it's just like, I, I, I didn't, it didn't feel like as much of a risk to me. And I think my co-founder Anshul feels similarly. Um, and just the further along you get, I feel like the risk actually decreases. You know, it's like, you know, now at this point, it's like, I, I feel like if it goes under tomorrow, which doesn't seem like it will at all, uh, we, we raised like over two years of funding and we're hiring really quickly and growing really quickly. But uh, it's like, if it does go under, I feel like we could go and get a job in a lot of different places. So it sort of de-risks it in that, you know, in that standpoint. Absolutely. And it also helps um, that you're so young, right? You just graduated from school two years back. So uh, the fact that you're young and you don't have many other commitments where you have to be kind of more risk adverse, uh, I think is definitely a big factor as well. 
So I want to touch on, uh, you mentioned about, you know, the ADA compliance and going back to the importance of this product for the, the target audience. You know, what kind of consequences could occur for these cities and universities and local governments and even for the citizens, right, if the proper sidewalk inspection is not done? Yeah, so there's a, a lot of interesting enforcement mechanisms for accessibility set up by the government and sort of enabled by the government, I guess I would call it. Uh, there's a program called Project Civic Access where they do random audits of cities and uh, sometimes universities, mostly cities. So they'll go and essentially just knock on the door of random municipalities and ask like, hey, where's your transition plan? <laughs> where's your inspections? And uh, almost every single city that has been audited has failed um, that process. And then there's usually a settlement agreement that comes after that. And then some of the big settlement agreements are like, Los Angeles is like $1.6 billion with the B is how much a settlement agreement is going to cost them over the next 20 years. Uh, New York, Seattle, Chicago has one. Pretty much every major municipality is dealing with some sort of, you know, accessibility, long-term lawsuit sort of thing. And then there's trip and fall lawsuits where uh, private citizens, if they get injured using the sidewalk, um, they have the ability to sue the city. And if they don't have a proactive program, like like what we provide, they, uh, they're open to those sorts of lawsuits. Um, and then something that's coming along right now is actually the restriction of funding through uh, like grants. Essentially, certain states are starting to require that these plans are submitted along with certain grant applications so they could be out money in the future if they don't have these plans set up. So those are some of the the enforcement mechanisms. And then there's some legal stuff going on right now that's probably too in the weeds, but essentially like they're signing in new rules that are going to allow for new enforcement mechanisms. So it's kind of a good time for us to exist. So I'm curious about how you can scale this idea, right? Um, and I, I just was thinking of, you know, before we chatted of, of ways that this might happen. And of course, you know, the obvious ones come to mind where you could have, you know, drone capture, uh, or uh, you could have like automobiles that are capturing um, the the sidewalk images as opposed to just handheld devices. Uh, but putting putting that aside for a minute, right? The the, the technological scalability. Uh, something else that maybe could happen is, for instance, the um, reinspection needs for ADA compliance, where maybe a facility needs to have it reinspected, uh, needs to have needs to be reinspected after a couple of years. Things like this, how do, how do you envision scaling your software to be able to track and manage? Yeah, whatever comes to scalability, I think there's three things that are super interesting uh, about DeepWalk. One is we're sensor agnostic. So you right now we focus on the iPhones, but you could put sensor data in from, like you said, drones. There's Segway-based LiDAR sensors. There's car-based 3D modeling. Uh, there's satellite Things you can do through satellite imagery. So as long as you make a 3D model, we could automatically measure it. Uh, so that's something that's really interesting and is going to be a key part of both the sidewalk product and future products. Uh, the second thing that's really interesting from a scalability perspective is there's nothing special about sidewalks that makes them particularly measurable uh, in our system. So we're doing a project in Peoria and sort of partnered with Bradley as well, Bradley University, 
where we're scanning uh, not only the sidewalks, but building entrances, crosswalks, uh, traffic signals, bus stops, a variety of other things. And we're pushing those through our system to see what the measurements would look like. And that's sort of the first step of us expanding outside of sidewalks and becoming a general infrastructure management project or product. And then the third part that's you know really interesting is us partnering with consulting firms. So engineering consulting firms offer a variety of engineering services and we're partnering with a good chunk of them right now uh, to offer you know our sidewalk accessibility services through them. But as we start work, working with them, we're already getting sort of a, a wish list of features and inspections that they want added on top that they can offer as a service. Um, so working that close with these sort of expert customers slash channels uh, are giving us just this really awesome insight into uh, into the industry and what's next in real time, essentially like as it's happening. So those are the those are the three really interesting things. We're sensor agnostic, we're inspection type agnostic. We can inspect whatever you want in theory, and we have a really cool partner program that we're growing right now. You just closed a one point four million dollar seed investment, and that brings your total financing for Deepwalk to one point eight million. Uh, so you mentioned about these three aspects, right? About being sensor agnostic and being the measurement agnostic. With this new kind of funding uh, that you have on the table now, what's top of mind for you in 2023 and, and you know, what is exciting you about how you can use this funding? Yeah, 2023 is the year of building our partner program. Uh, so we've got like quite a few case studies from last year, and then we've got almost 20 cities and universities using us this summer. And we're focusing the rest of our resources on training the consultants to to offer us as a service uh the reason for that is you know we can go and sell the city to city and it's sort of slow but we could sell the one engineering consulting firm that has 200 offices across the us and each one of them are offering deep walk that's like one customer that turns into 500 you know that's what's really exciting <laughs> so we're this funding has allowed us to uh focus on those uh, big wins right now uh, because we don't have to worry as much about like immediate cash flow uh, we can focus on you know these really you know giant home runs uh, so that that's what's going on for 2023 as far as you know the other two scalability things uh, we're focused on we're going to start dipping our toes into the sensor agnostic stuff before our series a um, so sometime within the next two years, it'll allow us to do larger cities faster. Um, and then the key part of our you know, planned Series A pitch is going to be, hey, we're in 500 cities right now with our sidewalk product. They love it. And 50 of them are asking for you know, these three services and they're ready to pilot it as soon as it's ready. Uh, we're raising you know, $8 million to expand into these three services and offer add that to our offering. Um, that's that's sort of the the planned timeline is like build a partner program uh get new sensors in there really start trying them and then get those you know three or four big you know big money maker next steps uh ready to go and have customers ready to try them 
to go into our series a in two to three years. So that's, that's kind of how we see ourselves growing over the next three years, really. Okay. Awesome. So the last topic I want to touch on is, uh, I mentioned all the different programs that you've gone through, uh, from that the university offers, uh, whether it's COZED or iVenture, et cetera. For those students who are listening, who are curious about these programs or in general about starting a company, what advice do you have to offer about taking that next step and, and how they can maximize these resources like how you did? Yeah, I, I kind of want to just really quickly, you know, run through each one and kind of what we got out of them. And I'll try to be really brief. Uh, so starting from the beginning, we did 54 through founders. It's like make a startup over the weekend. It's kind of a just um so we did that and that's where we met you know half of the team that worked on it for the next couple of years so that was a great way to get started the icor program uh we did the site program so it was like three workshops anybody can has time for three workshops you know uh go do that and take it seriously you'll learn the things that are really important um after that we did cozad Go do COZAD. <laughs> There's no reason not to do COZAD. Um, the workshops are really strong. That's where we got our first money in the deep walk. Um, and that's where we had our first like pitching experience. And it's a, it's a good way to, to go and fail early, you know, uh, go and get that, uh, get learning right away and meet a lot of people. Uh, then we did iVenture talking about you know, failing early, go and you'll bring your idea or whatever your company, whatever you want to call it at that time. And you'll be able to just kind of constantly refine it through an entire summer and get touch points from lots of people that are really experienced and really kind of learn how to be a startup founder with next to no risk. You know, you have a living stipend and, you know, no, there's no runway when you're an iVenture. So it's like, you can focus on like really kind of developing yourself and your company. Um, and then we did the, we did the Silicon Valley trip. That was just really cool to meet a lot of people and learn a lot of things. Uh, that's just a really cool experience. And I, I think it was very inexpensive, so you should just do it. <laughs> uh, we got to visit some really, really cool startups. Um, and then we did the Polsky U Chicago. Um, there was like a TEC class. I can't remember. I probably, it's probably called something different now, but there's like a TEC startup city scholars that we did. Um, and that got us connected to the Chicago ecosystem really well. Um, we've met, um, you know, really just got intro to the Chicago community. That's, that's pretty great. Uh, your Chicago is really, really good at a lot of business things. And it really pairs well with the engineering here at U of I. Um, so that was a great set of connections to have. And then, uh, yeah, we raised quite a bit of money through that as well. And yeah, that was, I'm definitely missing some programs, but those were kind of the ones that come to mind right now. Uh, moral of the story is there's no risk to do it as a, as a student. So do it if you want to. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. It, the best time to start is now, right? As they say. Most definitely. Yeah, amazing. Well, Brandon, those are all the questions that I have. Is there anything else that you want to mention before we drop off? Two things that are super, super important uh, for 
anybody trying to start a company that we've sort of found is, you know, first thing we learned through iCore, make sure you're solving like a real problem and talk to your customers before you start building anything. Um, and then the second one is find one or two really, really good co-founders. I think a lot of uh, early stage companies think more is better. Um, but I think, and you know, why Combinator talks about this all the time is like get two or three people that take this 100% seriously and run with it. Whenever you get a bunch of different people, you kind of have to worry about like managing and some people are like kind of in and you have to worry about that. You know, it's better to have two people that are fully committed than eight that are looking for something for the resume. So those are just two pieces of advice that I think early stage companies should uh, really consider. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing, Brandon. For the folks listening, you can check out more uh, about Brandon and his company. It's called DeepWalk. And of course, you can tune into researchpark.illinois.edu slash podcast for all the other episodes that we have, both from the past and from the future. We record every month. But thanks again, Brandon. And uh, I appreciate all of you for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. All right. Thank you so much for having me.